Like Ahab, the people refused to believe God's word. So the first step in their judgment is to believe the lies that they would believe anyways. It's because of the condition of their heart. They refuse to believe. They are stubborn. So is this make, does this make God unfair? Does this make him bad because he's sending a strong delusion to people who refuse to believe in him? <laughs> Hi, I'm Troy King, and I know that reading the Bible is a tremendous blessing, but it's also challenging and sometimes confusing. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. Together, we'll explore the cultures and context of Scripture so that you can discover new insights and grow closer to God. This is the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. Welcome to the Freedom Bible Study Podcast, episode number two, Does God Lie? This is a big topic that we're going to be discussing today because some casual readers of the Bible may say, well, the Bible's contradicting itself. In one place it says God cannot lie, and in another, he's sending deceiving spirits. What's going on here? So, I want to tap into this, and I've, I've done a bunch of research, and this is actually the second time that I've done this episode, because the first time I thought, when I was done, that I wasn't satisfied, uh, because I want to give you the absolute best uh, information that I can, and uh, so I needed to... To, to do some more research, talk to my pastor. And so this is uh, number two for me to, to tackle this question because we need to know exactly uh, what's going on here with Scripture. So first, let's explore the nature of God's holiness. Now, first of all, we're, we're believing the Word of God, all right? That's our foundation. And God is holy, as described in Isaiah 6.3. It signifies his absolute transcendent purity, and it makes, him, makes it impossible for him to lie. If we look at uh, Isaiah 6.3, in a great chorus, they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So, all of God's characteristics and attributes, they are holy. And so lying is absolutely against his nature. Pastor A.W. Tozer put it this way, he is absolutely holy with an in infinite, incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being other than it is. So it's just part of who he is. It's his nature. It's his uh, he doesn't have DNA, he's a spirit, but it's, it's, his, it's his attribute. So, he is absolutely holy, and his word as an extension of God's truth is completely trustworthy. And we have scripture to back it up. Psalm 119, verse 60, The very essence of your words is truth. All your just regulations will stand forever. So, your words, the essence of your words is truth. So, when he, when he speaks, it's out of truth. Psalm 145, 13b, The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all that he does. So, let's take a look at God's promises towards the, uh, towards the fulfillment of his promises in the case of Abraham. Right? So, 
God met with Abraham and he made him specific promises. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. That's Hebrews 6, 17, and 18. So, two things. It's impossible for God to lie. There is, there is no one higher than himself. So, he swore an oath to himself that he would uh, do this thing through Abraham for his children. And uh, there is, you know, when, when, when you're so high that there is no other force that you can swear by, um, you know, God was cream of the crop, top echelon. There's, there's no one higher than him. So he binds himself with an oath, and God's truthfulness is revealed in two key aspects. First of all, he stands on his word. He stands by it. When he says it, that's it. And then he has fulfilled his promise to Abraham through Jesus Christ. So even over centuries, right, God made this promise to Abraham, and then it was, you know, years and years and years before Israel became a huge nation. And then we have, uh, they're in, they're in uh, captivity in Egypt for 400 years, and then they're their own sovereign nation for 450 some odd years. And even 400 years after that, when the New Testament starts, so we're talking, you know, 1500 years or so after Abraham, God still keeps his promise. Let's take a look at this. God gave his promise the God gave the promises to Abraham and his child, and notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ, Galatians 3.16. So, God has... So God has absolute integrity when it comes to his promises. When he says, I'm going to do this thing, he does this thing. Now, the caveat here is that when you have an agreement with God, or, you know, as God did with Israel, okay, he said, if you will follow me, if you will obey me, if you will honor me as God and God alone, then I will bless you with long life and many descendants and wealth. But the problem is that Israel didn't live up to the end of their agreement. They didn't live up to what they said they were going to do. And as a result, God was under no uh, obligation to fulfill those specific promises. In fact, he says, okay, if you don't turn back to me, then you're going to be judged. If you don't stop uh, worshiping these idols, then you're going to face judgment. And they didn't stop worshiping the idols. They kept worshiping other, other false gods. And so... He had to carry through on that promise, and they faced judgment. So they didn't get to enjoy the original promises of God because they failed to uphold their end of the, of the agreement. And so uh, God still does honor his promises, but when there's a if-then, if you will do this, then I will do that, uh, if you don't fulfill your part of the uh, obligation, then God doesn't have to fulfill his part. But yet, despite Israel's 
rebellion, despite their failure to adhere to the covenant, he still promised that there would be a remnant, a remnant who would receive ultimately, in the end, the promises of God. So, even then, despite our failings, he is still faithful. He has absolute integrity in everything he says and everything he does. Now, what about deception, right? Because there are these instances in, in, the, in the Bible where God seems to be deceiving. Uh, in the case of King Ahab, so here we have King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and they've joined together to discuss a joint uh, war plan. And Ahab's prophets are prophesying that they're going to have all this amazing victory over the Arameans. And Micaiah, the prophet, tells them that... So Jehoshaphat says, hey, uh, what your prophets are saying is great, but isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? And so they send for Micaiah. He comes and he says, yeah, you're going to have great success. And Ahab says, you know what? Stop lying to me. I I know that you're not saying the truth. Which means like he kind of knew his own prophets weren't giving him the right information. So Micaiah says, okay, well, this is what I saw. And the Lord said, Who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth-Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions, and finally a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? the Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. And that's 1 Kings 22, verses 20 through 22. So, what does this mean? Here, God is sending a lying spirit to, to the prophets of Ahab that he might be deceived and go off into war and be killed. Now, we have to understand the context of this, right? Ahab was an evil king, and he did many horrible things, and he was evil in the sight of the Lord. And there was one time when he actually turned from his sinful ways and he repented, but then he went back. And God had issued a judgment against him that he would be killed uh, for his his crimes. And so, God is he's willing to use whoever to accomplish his judgment, right? Ahab was due for judgment. He was going to be killed, and the dogs would lick up his blood. That's what God had said was going to happen because of his evil ways. So, you think about the evil city of Nineveh. They, um, they were used to judge Israel. The evil na- nation of Babylon was used to judge Judah. So God is willing to use good, bad human spirits to accomplish judgment. And so uh, Micaiah does tell the truth and tells ah- Ahab that things aren't going to go well. And Ahab has this moment, he has this opportunity to say, you know what, I'm not going to go to war um, because, you know, God has told me, in a sense, through Micaiah, that this is not going to go so well. But he goes anyways. He goes off to war and he gets killed, just like God had said. And the dogs lick up his blood, just like God had said. So, he faced, he stepped into his own judgment. Now, yes, there was a lying spirit, but think about this. Come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they have 
because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe these lies. Now, this is so important that we understand this. The reason why they are being deceived is because they refuse to accept the truth of the gospel. The salvation, the salvation message would save them, but they refuse it. They would rather believe lies. So the judgment for them is to be deceived. The King James Version says that God sends a strong delusion, right? So is God deceiving? Yes, he's allowing them to be deceived because that's what their hearts desire. He's giving them over to what they really want, and that's to reject truth and believe the lies. So this is part of his, his judgment. This is a judgment thing. Like Ahab, the people refused to believe God's word. So the first step in their judgment is to believe the lies that they would believe anyways. It's because of the condition of their heart. They refuse to believe. They are stubborn. So is this make, does this make God unfair? Does this make him bad because he's sending a strong delusion to people who refuse to believe in him? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't because they have chosen. God would prefer that everyone be saved and keep their part of the agreement. Let's look at 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Isn't that wonderful? It's not his will that people would be deceived. It's not his will that people would be judged in such a horrible way, but they are choosing to be judged. Really, God would prefer that we would all be saved which leads me to my last point. God has promised forgiveness of sin for those who would ask for it. And he is faithful to forgive. And we have 1 John chapter 1, 8 through 9 to tell us this. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all wickedness. So, thank the Lord that we can come to him and ask for forgiveness, and we can believe with all confidence, because I tell you what, sometimes I mess up and I go to Jesus and I say, I am sorry for my sin, please forgive me, but I still feel guilty afterwards. I still have the the, the words of the enemy ringing in my ears saying, he's not going to forgive you. That was, that, was too that was too terrible. That was the last straw. No, friend. No, if you, if you still care, then there's still hope for you. It means you haven't been deceived or given over to the enemy, but rather the enemy's trying to make you doubt. God's resolve, God's promises of forgiveness. So rest assured, when you ask for forgiveness, you have identified with the, the death of Christ on the cross, and you, are, you have broken the power of sin in your life, and that's a great time to go 
uh, identify with his, with his burial and um, be baptized in the name of Jesus, as the apostles did in the book of Acts, and then identify with his resurrection by being filled with his Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you to take the first step today and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, because there is forgiveness available. He has promised it. He is just and faithful to forgive. So join me in this prayer. Dear Lord, God, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask today, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart and help me, Lord, to turn from my sin and live for you. I want to identify with you, Lord Jesus, my Savior. And thank you. Thank you for forgiving me because I believe in your forgiveness. I trust in you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining to me. Please share and like this podcast. Help me spread the, the good news through Freedom Bible Study. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll see you next time.